0: We want to start uh, a new series today. The series is called Custom Made. And we want to talk about how God actually custom made every person in this room for something. And, and we're going to get into something that we've actually I, <laughs> thought back, we've been around for four and a half years now. And I think we've only had one talk on a Sunday morning that uh, talked about the topic of spiritual gifts. And if you're kind of new to this whole thing, we're going to, no matter where you're at on this, if you're brand new to church, you've been around a long time, we're going to help kind of walk through what this means. Uh, But there's an idea in the scripture that talks about how God has gifted people to do something that goes beyond their means. And we're going to talk about that in this series, Custom Made. I'm really excited about this. It's something we haven't tackled, and we're going to do it over a five-week period of time. Before we get there, I want to show you guys, I'm going to start, it's kind of an extended clip, maybe a little over two minutes uh, of a clip of a, the end of a classic trilogy. And uh, this trilogy uh, does not need any kind of introduction, you will know immediately, but check out the end of this trilogy. My cowboy! Woody? What's he doing in there? There's a snake in my boot. There's a snake in my boot! (laughs) Now, Woody, he's been my pal for as long as I can remember. He's brave like a cowboy should be, and kind and smart. But the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you, ever. He'll be there for you no matter what. You think you can take care of him for me? Okay then. Shops attacking the haunted bakery. The ghosts are getting away. What <laughs> <Bloody laughs> you? Stop lying. Huh? Buzzlet, you're the rescue. Ha 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 ha. gets me every time. Come on, how many of you cried in the movie theater when you saw this for the first? Be honest, more of you should be raising your hands right now. How many? Okay, who's crying right now? All right, I'm sorry. It's, I've seen it three times today, and I'm all like, oh. man, my kids joke with me, dad, you never cry. I'm like, no, I cry. I just hide it well. And Did you, I don't know if you knew this, but Pixar actually, they knew that people would just lose it in the theater, in that scene. And so the last five, they actually added like a five minute thing at the end that was just funny. Do you remember this? They added like a five minute like thing at the end just to make you laugh because they knew that guys like me would not be happy about walking out of the, the theater like, you know, so good job, Pixar. Um. I love, the, I, love the, um, I love the premise of Pixar. I love the premise of uh, the, the Toy Story movies because uh, it's, it's just how great is it to think that these toys aren't inanimate objects. The, the toys actually sit in their shelf, and when you leave the room, they start talking to each other, and that they actually have personalities and a life. And um, I love the idea that a toy... W- what's the thing that a toy wants most of all? A, a toy wants to be played with. Yeah, a toy, a toy is desperate uh, to find the right owner. That's gonna uh, not the kid who lives across the street in the first one, you know. But uh, the, a toy wants to find an Andy that is gonna love them and care for them, and that there's gonna be there's nothing that a toy could imagine more that's wonderful in life than to be played with, and um, so. I love that analogy, and I want you to go with me today on this. I, I gotta, I'm going to take that analogy, and I'm going to transfer it to something else. I, what if that were true of tools? What, 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 if, what if you had your little like, kind of tool? This is my little tool shelf that I brought in this morning. Um, you know, I got my big saw, and Karen like hates my little um, chest here because it's... Um, it's old, you know? And, and one of the problems is is the, the, the drawers don't really open all that well. And I think it was made in like 1940, but I like it. The, the, the owner, the previous owner of our house left it behind, so I wanna keep it, plus I don't wanna pay for a new one. So, um, so, so this is my little shelf. But what if, what if when I was using these guys and I left the room, they started talking? You are know, like, oh, did you see me? I got, you know? You know, the screwdriver's like all pumped that he got to like screw something into the wall, you know? and uh, this guy's psyched because I used him to fix the sprinklers and you know what if, what if they just came alive just like did you see that cut I made that cut was perfect you know and they just start talking now now imagine this imagine if all these toys were talking but one of them said that they actually didn't want to do anything they just wanted to stay in the shelf how weird would that be That a, a, a tool, wait a second you're not made for that you're made to you're made to do something. And a, and a tool would want to stay in the shell. What if, what if a tool didn't know what they were made for? What if this guy was like, I'm just hard-headed. I don't, I don't know what the maker was thinking when he made me, but all I get, I get made fun of because I've just got a hard head and I've got like a little weird afro thing in the back that sticks out. And, you know, can you imagine if this guy didn't know what he was made for? And he went through his life questioning the way he was built because he didn't understand what he was actually supposed to do. Guys, I, I'm I, actually, think, I actually think millions of Christians, millions of people who are following Jesus are trying our best, right, to say we, we wanna try to follow God. I think millions of people are wandering around that maybe just don't know, don't understand how they're gifted, don't understand what they're called to do in the world. It, and, and by the way, that's not a shaming statement. This isn't easy to figure out. I mean, I sometimes think I'm a hammer, and then other days I think I'm a screwdriver, and then I think I'm a rubber mallet, you know? I, I, it's hard to know. But guys, what if, what if, what if we spent the next few weeks going, let's figure this out? Let's spend some time praying, thinking, asking God to speak to us about how we are created and for what purpose. You guys, there's this crazy thing. The the Bible actually has the notion that when Jesus was uh, close to dying, he said that he would send to us his Holy Spirit. That God would actually, for people that uh, are saying, I want to follow Jesus with my life, that God's saying... I'm going to send my spirit that's going to live inside you. And as you continue to read through the New Testament, you discover the idea that this spirit actually brings to the table in our lives a gift or gifts that he has equipped us, that God has equipped you to do something that goes beyond your natural abilities, that God has given the gift to people following Jesus to do something that is even, I dare say, supernatural. Man, I'll tell you what, if I weren't a Christian and somebody told me that, I'd be like, y'all are crazy. Like, that's a hard one to swallow. You guys think that you've been given a supernatural power by God? That's just weird. And yet, that's kind of what the Bible teaches that that's exactly what. God has done. And the weird thing is, I I feel like I've seen it in, in many of us, right? You've seen this in people's lives. You've seen it in your own life, some of us, like, right? where you're just like, I don't know how that happened, but that went way beyond what I'm capable of. That that was the Lord at work. Man, these next few weeks, I hope you will go on this journey, cancel all your summer vacations, and stick around, because what we what we're hoping and praying for is that we actually discover what those gifts are because God has something for us. So I want to stop for a second. I think this is worth us stopping and praying and asking uh, just maybe in a special way that God would open our hearts to what he's going to do with this over the next few weeks. We might be open to something new we haven't heard before. So let let me pray. Lord, we want to give you these next five weeks. We want to trust that you're going to speak to us in a way that might even surprise us. Lord, would you help us to find out more about ourselves in these next few weeks because um, it's for your purpose. It's for what you want to do through us. So we give you um, these coming weeks and then we trust them to you. Make us all ears, God. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Think of it this way. I think anybody who's done a project in here knows the size of the project that you're going to go about will tell you something about the number of tools that you need. Size of the project will tell you the number of tools that you need. Little little project, few tools. Big project, lots of tools. If you're going to change out the little plate on an electrical outlet, what do I need? I need a little. Tiny flathead screwdriver, get those screws out of the wall, put the new thing on, screw it back in. That's all I need. Little project, one tool. But if you're going to embark on something like, gosh, I was over my head, a uh, year and a half ago, so I put in new floors in our, in our house, uh, hardwood. Oh my. A screwdriver would not have done the job. All right? I needed this big old saw. I needed my hammer. I needed the rubber mallet. I needed these little spacer things. I needed a square. I needed uh, my drill. By the way, there's nothing like when you do a drill like this, just take a little whiff. I, I, you think I'm kidding, but there's like there's a little metal exhaust heat that comes out the back. It smells fantastic. Um, I, I needed my drill. I needed a level. Uh, you know. It was a huge project. It was beyond me. I needed like almost everything. I mean, the number of screws that I bought, you guys, like it's just I, I. It was a huge project that required a ton of tools. Listen to this. God has something massive ahead for this church. A massive project ahead for this church. It's going to require every tool. Man, I, I, I'm praying so much as we look at the project that's ahead for Ascent Church, for us in, in your own spheres of influence, as we want to see this community and surrounding area actually be bent toward the kingdom of God love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We want to see those things, the fruit of God's Spirit come out into this into this community. That's going to require every tool. Because that's a massive project. Uh, we've, been, we've been seeing a little bit about how, and we're going to talk a ton about this this fall, guys, as we get closer, but we've been, um, we've been talking uh, about this vision that's unfolding for us. And one of the things that we're doing right now is, you guys know Ascent has had a really beautiful relationship with the local schools, school district. And we've had a team of people that have been going around and just meeting the principals and talking to them and listening to what the principals need in their schools. And one thing that's kind of cool is, as a church that's just a few years old, I've been kind of blown away that the principals actually trust us, and and I think it speaks to the faithfulness that you all have had in the different things that we've tried to do to bless the schools. And they trust us enough where they're asking us some really tough stuff. They're asking us stuff like, we need help teaching kids to read. We need help with kids that don't have enough money to buy lunch. We need help with teachers who sometimes feel discouraged. Is there a way that your church could actually help us, help me stay the principles with this project? Huge project to bless the people around us, to bend what we see around us with generosity toward the kingdom of God. And, and there's so much more. So much more that this is a massive project that we're undertaking. I I was uh, reading the other day that uh, Colorado is actually um, one of the top in the country for uh, teen drug abuse. So Colorado is extremely high when it comes to teen drug abuse with marijuana, with cocaine, uh, with uh, prescription painkillers. It's a huge issue in Colorado. Something tells me that Boulder might be part of that, you know. Um, we, we we have a huge project ahead, huge. That doesn't even speak to our neighbors, to our own lives, where, you know, marriages crumbling on our street or maybe in our own homes or… Um, Or the sense that we put off to people that says that everything's great when inside we know there's depression and incredible challenges that we're facing that we actually don't want other people to know. That's the, man, I'm telling you, we live in an affluent suburb. That's the thing here. We suffer, but we want to make sure nobody thinks that we are. Man, that's a challenge for, that's a project for our church. You know, I was looking at that video of Christine, I was like, man, you don't have to go to Denmark to find people that have an image of God and an image of the church that isn't great. I think we can find that right here, can't we? There was a a little study that came out a few years ago, a Gallup poll, that said that the Boulder area is the second least religious city in the United States. 17.3% of people in this area would say that their faith is important to them. They don't say what faith means. I mean, I, I wonder if in our area, if it's less than 5% of the people in our area that would say, I, I'm trying to follow Jesus as best I can. Guys, just like Christine, we got a whole community that we have the opportunity to go, man, you know, this isn't exactly what you thought. This is what you, what you see on TV or what you thought about Christians, not necessarily true. What an incredible opportunity that we as a church are poised to be able to tackle. It is going to take every tool that we've got because this is a massive project ahead. So how do we figure this out, right? How, how, do, how do we move forward in, in, a, in a vital project? How do we get every tool working, okay? So I, here's what I going to do. I'm gonna, um, I wanna make sure before we go there that we understand there's something that every tool needs to know. Before before you get out of the shelf, before you start trying to discover whether you're a hammer or a screwdriver or a saw, it's important for us to kinda know something first. And and what I wanna do is these next two weeks, we're gonna look a little bit into the book of Ephesians. So if you're not familiar with the Bible at all, they're uh, in the New Testament which is kind of Jesus and beyond that time, you you get a lot of letters that are written. So a guy named Paul wrote a letter to a church in a town called Ephesus. It was this little Mediterranean city. They had a new church there. And so Paul's writing this new church, which, hey, we're a new church too, right? So there's probably stuff we can learn from this. He's writing this letter to Ephesus. And he's wanting them to understand more about who they're called to be as the church. In fact, some people call Ephesians the church book. And so if you want to understand more about who we're supposed to be, Ephesians is a fantastic place to look and understand who we're called to be with God. So I want to look, and I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of what you find in Ephesians. But I think this is huge for us as we think about, you know, God using us and uh, getting out of the shelf. So this is Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to show you verses 8 through 10. So check, check this out. And, and um, actually, pull that down for just a second. want to say one other thing about this before we read it. Um, Paul has a problem. Paul knows that uh, people, just like today actually, people think that the way we are accepted by God is if we um, do enough good things. So if you do enough good things, then God will accept you. Uh, and so that's, that's rampant back then. And it's rampant today. And Paul's going to take that to task. I mean, I'm telling you guys, Paul rips that idea apart every moment he can get. No, you're not actually accepted by God because of the good stuff you do. It's actually a different deal that he's got. But this is important before we get to this. So check this out, Ephesians 2 This is actually one of the most famous passages in the Bible and certainly in Ephesians. Uh, here's what it says. It says, God saved you. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you came or when you come someday to say, I believe in Jesus, that's a rescuing moment. That's a rescuing moment where God jumps in and rescues you. Grace means free gift. Doesn't mean you earned it. Because look what he says next. You can't take credit for this. This isn't something that you did. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. He's being a little redundant here. He's he's repeating himself because he knows the people he's writing to struggle with this, and we do too. I do. Look look at uh, verse 9 now. Salvation. Salvation is the idea that we all walk away from God. We walk into what's called Sin. That we, we go, you know what, God, thanks but no thanks. I'm turning my back and I'm going to walk away from you. And we are rescued from that by God. And that's what salvation means. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. By the way, that's the most important knot in the Bible. You, pour that, you, you pull that knot out of there, we got a problem. We got a different, a whole different view of what the Bible is saying. That not is really key, salvation is not a reward. You didn't get rewarded for the stuff you did. No, 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 it's not for the good stuff we have done. No one can boast about this, okay? So he's repeating himself. He's making sure we understand that we get a point. He is trying to say, you know who you are? You are somebody that has been rescued by God and loved by God. It's like Andy picking up that little doll and looking into his eyes and just going, yeah, Woody, that's, that's, what, that's what he's saying here. It starts with this. It always starts with this love of God saying, I've rescued you and I love you. Now, if we get that in our minds, we go on to verse 10. The order is really important here. You see this order over and over again in the Bible. Look at verse 10. It says this, for we are, so for, there's a reason why you're loved. Or we are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. Holy cow. Have you ever honestly thought of yourself in that light? God's masterpiece? Ooh, man. I sometimes question if God's really that good of an artist when I look at myself if that's the case. It's like, really? No, that's what it says. God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So. We can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Man, think of your life in this light, that you are a work of God, a created masterpiece of God, that God actually long, long ago, before you were even born, had in mind what tool you were and how he was going to use you. Wow. That might change the framework of how I see my life, but it starts with the idea that we are loved by God. There's a, there's a little theological saying. I'm not expecting you to remember this. I'm just throwing it out there. There's a little theological saying that says, the indicative always comes before the imperative. So here's, here's all it means. Indicative, the indication of who I am, loved by God. The indicative always precedes the imperative. Imperative, what we must do. We've got to get that order right. If you flip-flop those... And the imperative, what we do, tells us who we are. we got a problem on our hands. So look at at this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, those first two I read you, is about who we are. Loved by God. Rescued by God. We can be as humble as any people on the globe because we had nothing to do with it. It's awesome. We just simply brought our little tiny amount of belief in God to the table. And God says, yes, I love you. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 are about. Then Ephesians 10 moves into what you do with that. Where do you go with this now? The problem, again, is when we reverse those two questions, the order of those questions is really important. Put that next one up here. What you do comes before who you are, and you're in trouble. This is a classic American problem. That we see ourselves in the light of what we do, that we earn things, that we, it's all about what we achieve, and, and of course we would. The whole system is set up that way. Everything in our system is set up that way except for God's plan for us. God's plan for us is actually the opposite, that who you are matters more than what you do. In fact, what you do precedes and flows from who you are. Does that make sense? Does it sound like a tongue twister? I hope you're getting this because this is so important for us to understand. Otherwise, you start picking up a tool and trying to figure out who you are or what you're supposed to do, and that can become the focus of the whole thing instead of this rich love of God that overflows to people then in what we do. The order is so important. A little saying for you, you're not rescued by works. You're not rescued by what you do, but you are rescued for it. You're rescued for something huge for us to know. All right, I want to step back for a second. I want to look back again at that word masterpiece because I it just, I'm sorry, you read that line, you're God's masterpiece, I, that just sticks out on the page to us. Uh, so let's, let's look at that because I think that's going to help us understand a little bit more about who we are. Um, Paul, when he wrote this to this church in Ephesus, he didn't didn't write it in English. He wrote it in Greek. That was the common language back then. That's what people wrote. He's writing in Greek, and then we come along later, and we translate those words into English. And sometimes we lose what they really mean. This is a case where it's kind of nice to know what the original word means. When Paul said, you are God's masterpiece, he actually said, you are God's masterpiece. Poema. Okay, now that's the word masterpiece that he's using here. You are God's poema. Let's play a really fun church game, okay? It's going to be a super fun church game. If I were to take two letters out of this, do you see another word in there? Poem. If I take the I out, I take the A out. Some people think that this is where we get the word poem from in English, that it started as this idea of masterpiece in Greek, and then it moved into poem. It's just kind of interesting to think of yourself that you are actually God's poem, that God poured every ounce of his creativity into you. Sometimes I feel like the poem, you know, roses are red, violets are blue, and, you know, I'm about as simple and boring as it gets. Other times I feel like I'm like Beowulf or something, you know, it was like, epic tragedies, we're complicated, you know, but we've been poured into with unimaginable creativity. You're God's poem. Not only did God pour all his creativity into you, he did something with you that he didn't do in anything else. He actually gave you the ability to be creative. Not, nobody else got that. He poured his creativity in you. Now he's saying to you, I've also given you the ability to be creative. Man, as we think about how we're made as a masterpiece for the good works that he planned out long for us ago to do, we're going to bring all our creativity into that. We're God's poem, creative poem that continues to create other poems. We're God's poem, but we're not a poem that's supposed to sit on a shelf and collect dust in some book right? We're a poem with a purpose, a poem with a purpose to change the world around us, to change the little section of the world that each one of us occupies toward the kingdom of God and what God wants to do in the world. Man, there is nothing more beautiful than when we get a hold of this, when we grasp what we're called to do and we actually go do it. The joy, guys, in knowing how you're gifted and then seeing that played out in your life is fantastic. It is so different, so different than being someone who goes through their life saying, I'm gonna collect a paycheck and I'm gonna attend church. Man, how different is that concept than I have this rich relationship, love of God that I am called to be a tool in his hands, God's masterpiece in the world, to go to work humbly. And, you know, I know for some of us, we're like, yeah, that's great, but I go to work every day and I, you know, sell insurance or whatever it is, and I don't don't feel like I'm actually being used much by God. Well, it's great when our vocation matches our gift, but we know that doesn't always happen. I, I ran into a little saying this week that I liked, said, um, Career is what you're paid for, right? You go ahead and put it up on the screen, Tyler. Career is what you're paid for, but your giftedness is what you're made for. You might get paid for one thing, but you are made for another thing. Sometimes they overlap. That's great. Sometimes maybe they completely overlap. But I've seen a lot of cases where it is so freeing when you understand the difference between what you're paid for and what you're made for. Man, live into what you are made for. Uh, We see examples of that at this church all the time. Uh, I I wrote down a couple of them. I've got a a, friend sent here named Terry. Uh, Terry, her paycheck is for selling and helping people buy real estate. That's That's her career. That's what she gets paid for. But she's made for doing what she's doing around talking with our principals. You can see her light up. She's out talking to principals, asking them what they need, helping our mission team understand, uh, you know, unfold this vision for this next year. Terry gets paid to sell real estate, but she is made for this idea of blessing the community. And a a ton of those overlap, but that's that's where she's at. A guy named Rod in our church. Rod gets paid by Oracle software. But Rod is made to do anything that is necessary (laughs) to happen around here. When those 80 skylights broke this week, guess who's up on the roof with plastic, you know, spending his day up there trying to figure that out. Rod is made to do whatever is necessary to move the kingdom of God forward. Uh, We got a woman named Polly. Polly is paid by the school district. She is made to help people who are hurting. She just walked 10 people, uh, her and her husband Ben walked, I think, 10, 12 people, through a whole year of training around how do we care for people that are truly hurting, maybe depressed, or uh, have suffered a serious loss. And so this fall, we're going to have this group of people who have literally, I think, had 50-some hours of training on how to walk alongside people. Polly's made for that. I don't, I don't care what her paycheck <laughs> says, but you can see it in her. That's what she's made for. Ed, we've got a guy named Ed. He gets paid because he's great at data analytics. Man, he was made because he's a strategic thinker about how to move what God wants to do in this church forward, no doubt about it. Many of you met Kayla. Kayla's our children's pastor. She gets paid by the church. It's great. I actually think she's made, though, for compassion. She's taken in kid after kid foster children over this last couple of years. A lot of it has been painful for her, but she feels such a strong sense of compassion for these kids, Her paycheck might say one thing, but man, what she's made for, you can see it in her. You know what's crazy about all five of these people? None of them feels like they're sacrificing. I don't see any ounce in them of them feeling like, man, this just stinks. I got to get on the roof again. Why? Because they found how they're gifted. When you find your giftedness, you will know it because you will not feel like you're sacrificing. And and it may take a while. You know, uh, for some of us, maybe you've jumped in and you've tried to serve in some capacity, either at the church or somewhere else, and you've just felt like, gosh, man, I can't wait till my volunteer time's over. If you're ever saying that, it's not because God doesn't want to use you in some way. It's because you found the wrong thing. Right? How, how, how tired would this guy get of trying to put a screw into the wall? He'd be done fast. He'd be like, this is not working. We gotta try. We gotta discover. It may take you 10 times to try to figure out how are you gifted, but the key is just because maybe something fails, maybe you worked in a certain area of the church or maybe you've done something in your own life that just didn't quite fit, Keep going. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's poem. You are a tool that is waiting to be used. Don't let one failure stop you. It's a process of learning. I feel like I'm learning all the time about what I should and shouldn't be doing. So key. Guys, here's the deal these next few weeks, praying together that we'll discover these gifts because we've got a huge project ahead. But the deal is, it's actually not our project. You know that, right? This is the Lord's project. What the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit works in a community of people to help continue the ministry of Jesus. It all begins and ends with what Jesus wants to do in our community. We're doing this not to raise up the name of Ascent, It's so that we are following our call and our thankfulness to God. It begins and it ends with the person of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Jesus said this crazy thing, that same chapter where he said, I was gonna send you, I'm gonna send you my spirit. He said, uh, (laughs) he actually said, you're gonna do greater things than I did. So I don't know how you're wired. I read that skeptically. I look at that and I go, I don't think I'm walking on water Feeding 5,000 people with a couple loaves. I don't think that I'm turning water to wine. I don't think I have the capability to do any of that stuff. So don't believe you. But he says it. You know what I think he means by this? I I actually think I read it wrong. Yeah, I'm not going to do what Jesus did. I'm not capable of what Jesus did. But we might be collectively the followers of Jesus around the globe put together in tune with their gifts every tool out of the shelf trying to find what you are, we might be. We might be used by God in a way that would just stun the community around us. Man, that's, that's where we're heading. So next, next week, here's what we want to do. I want to look at, us. I want to start to break this down more specifically. I think every person in this room probably fits into one of five categories of understanding yourself and understanding what kind of tool you are. Next week we're going to talk about that, about which, what tool, what kind of tool are you? And the week after that we're going to get even a little bit more specific on what kind of tool you are and then what might stop us from moving forward with it. So I really hope... That you'll be around. And if you miss, you can always catch online uh, the sermons. But I think it's important five weeks for our church. But here's your homework. Yes, there's homework. And yeah, this is me trying to make sure my pen was working earlier today. I, I, want, you to, um, I want you to pray this this week. Can I give you a real dangerous thing to pray? I hope that you'll pray this these next seven days. We come back a week from now and we're going to keep moving along. But here, here's the prayer I want you to, to pray. Oh, man, I'm terrified. Would you use me? Help me get out the shelf. Help me understand. It, it doesn't matter what goes up here. It only matters if we have the heart that says, use me. Let's make that our prayer. God, we trust you and love you and thank you. Um, man, that you're real, that you <laughs> for, for whatever reason thought that we were worth your time and worth your time to use. You could snap your fingers and do whatever you want and yet somehow this incredible project is, uh, involves us. So I pray for me, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would speak to us in these coming weeks about our our giftedness and that um, you'd remind us that we can't actually do this uh, on our own. It really is you working through us and we pray that for this church going forward. Lord, we love you. Uh, You're a great God. In Jesus' name, amen.